Listen in to the forum at St. James Church. Um, well, first off, it's a joy to be um, it's a joy to be with everyone. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying um, reading through the Psalms and particularly taking a look um, at Walter Brueggemann's book and just hearing the different takes and different angles from it, whether um, it be on on rage or on mercy or on the goodness of God. One of the things I love about the Psalms um, is that they really do have um, just the full range of human emotion. Um, so what I thought I would do at first, um, by way of a little bit of an introduction to the Psalms, and then also um, a little bit of an introduction um, to me, was that I thought what I would do is that I would um, tell just a short story about um, sort of uh, one, one story that I feel like calls out um, how the Psalms have made an impact in my life. And then from there, we're kind of, we'll get into sort of the meat of talking about the topic for today, which is the Psalms in light of God's mercy and deliverance. Um, so anybody who knows me well knows that um, a big, a big chunk of my own, um, my own sort of relationship with the Psalms has been filtered through a monastery. Um, I, before coming um, to seminary, I spent, um, I spent a summer, um, I spent a summer at the Society of St. John the Evangelist. Um, and as a way of sort of transitioning from my life, working my career in nonprofits and before sort of heading off to seminary. Um, and so being at a monastery, the Psalms really just sort of are, are the language of everyday life. We would get up very early in the morning. The first office would start at 6 a.m. Um, I remember doing morning prayer, you know, after I'd already been up an hour before then, and I would say, oh, Lord, open my lips. And I really meant it because it was so early. Um, but I just, that summer of transition, that summer of sort of being in a liminal space, the Psalms were really important to me. And uh, one of the gifts of that time was that I had the opportunity to be um, in a regular spiritual direction um, conversation with one of the brothers. And um, there, there was one conversation in particular that really stands out. You know, I had just been through this season of discerning, you know, after many years of sort of figuring out, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, what is God's call like on my unique individual life? And I felt like I had done a lot of work to kind of get to know myself better. You know, I felt that as I was entering into that season, I really had done a lot of figuring out and I knew myself in a way that I don't think I had known previously. And so in that conversation with the monk, as we were sort of talking through that, I said, you know, I've done all this work to kind of figure out a bit about who I am. And certainly revelation is not sealed, but now I really have this desire that now that I kind of know a bit about who I am, I have this desire to be known. You know, I have this desire to be, to be known for who I am, to be sort of deeply seen, um, to have other people know a bit about me. Um, and in that conversation, the monk said, well, have you ever spent much time with Psalm 139? And I said, well, you know, like I know it, and, you know, but I must admit it's not one that I've, um, 
you know, I, I, I don't know it super well. I'm familiar with it, but I don't know it super well. He's like, well, maybe for the summer, what you can do is spend some time with Psalm 139. Um, for those of you who know it, Psalm 139 really does talk about the way that God knows each and every one of us. You know, from our rising in the morning to our rest at night, numbering the hairs on our head. It talks about God knitting us together in our mother's wombs. And for me, that was a really powerful experience because uh, it, it brought to me to a place of relationship with God, this sort of feeling about being known. And it came at just the right moment. And so I say that just as a brief introduction to, um, to the Psalms as a way of illustrating, at least in one example of my life, how they really can be language and poetry um, and something that can track all of our days and really can bring us to an intimacy with God um, in which really God is present in the midst of every emotion, whether it's joy or rage, or in my situation, one of really deeply wanting to be known. Um, and so I, I just wanted to lift that story up. Now I'm going to attempt to share my screen. Let's see if we can do that. Um, okay. So scrolling down a little bit, um, I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I'm, you know, in a class in a forum series, I like to have a roadmap. Um, I just find it helpful to sort of know, okay, this is, this is my sort of contract with you that I have what I've set out to talk about, um, for today. And so here's sort of my brief outline. Um, I did, you know, I just did the introduction and what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the location of mercy and deliverance. And we're going to do that, um, paying attention to, um, paying attention to sort of how Brueggemann has outlined them in the book that many of us have been reading, The Spirituality of the Psalms. I'm not going to belabor the framework of orientation, disorientation, new orientation too hard, just because I know that it's been talked about um, in other forums. Um, but I do find it a helpful framework. And so we will talk about that a little bit. And then what I'm hoping to spend more time with is for each of us to actually get into some examples of psalms of of mercy and of deliverance and sort of do the work of looking through them and seeing what jumps out to us as we're actually reading through um reading through some of those psalms um so let's scroll down a bit and so you'll remember this this diagram um that Brueggemann uses um in the book and what I want to, what I want to talk about first is sort of, you know, looking at this, this flow, looking at this framework that he uses. What I want to look at first is sort of where is the location of mercy um, and deliverance? Where does, where does it tend to find us as we're, as we're walking our way through um, the Psalms? Um, and one of the places that I feel like it often finds, it's not true in every situation, but one of the places I feel like it often finds its way to is sort of right here um, in this place kind of in between disorientation and new orientation. I think that's a place that it often, it often is. Um, and there's also some ways in which it can exist in orientation too. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, and so moving through... So looking first um, 
at the location of mercy and deliverance and psalms of orientation. So I'm going to read a couple of quotes um, from Brueggemann's book, Spirituality of the Psalms. So the first one is on page 18, um, if you want to follow along. He says, there is a givenness to be relied on in Psalms of Orientation. There is a givenness to be relied on, guaranteed by none other than God. That givenness is here before us, stands over us, endures beyond us, and surrounds us behind and before. And yet what he also says is, um, on page 21, um, he says, these same Psalms provide a point of reference even for those who share in none of the present goodies, but who cling in hope to the conviction that God's good intention for creation will finally triumph and there will be an equity and a Sabbath for all goods creatures. And so what I think is interesting about this on the topic of deliverance and mercy specific to the Psalms, there are Psalms that you read, which, um, make it seem like the author is in a place of sort of a right orderedness of the world. There are Psalms you read where you can just tell that person's having a good day. Um, and it seems like they are sort of basking in the joy of God. Um, and it, and it, and that can feel like a sign of mercy. You know, it, it can feel um, like a sign of being almost in the good graces of God. And yet what I think is also powerful and interesting about Psalms of orientation is particularly what's talked about, I think, um, in the second, in the second quote, there's an opportunity for us to see like in these types of Psalms, um, almost the world as it ought to be, um, a world in which, um, we can see a right ordering of things, a, a world in which justice flows down, um, like a mighty stream. And so that's, that's, there's an interesting tension that I think is played out there in some of the, in some of the ways we might look at some Psalms of orientation, some other Psalms as well. And scrolling through, um, say, so this is talking, um, so in Psalms of disorientation, and the first part is, uh, my own sort of words and paraphrase. I said, relatedly, in Psalms of Disorientation, the second movement of the psalm is often one of praise. What is frequently named is an assurance of being heard. So if we look at, um, I think if we look particularly, um, I think it's on page 34, let me double check. So, yeah, so if you look, if you have it with you, if not, don't worry about it, because I'll just sort of tell you. Um, if you look on pages 31 through about, mm, about 34 of Brueggemann's book, what he does and what I think is helpful is that he names the pattern that very often happens in Psalms of Disorientation. You know, it begins with this address to God, and then there's the complaint, the naming of what the or the disorientation is what what the issue is in some respects um and then it moves through but what i think is really fascinating is that even in psalms of disorientation like even in psalms where um you know this there's a there's a tenor and a tone and a feeling of lament 
Um, the second movement is very frequently one of praise. Um, the second movement of the psalm that is very much one, um, sometimes where the person is like, okay, I, I have now named my complaint. I've named the location of my disorientation. And yet there's this, this feeling of praise that can often come through where surely God will write things, surely in the fullness of time, because it would just be, as Brueggemann said, it would just not be thinkable that God would, that God would hear our cries and then not act. And so even in those Psalms, the sort of movement that comes is one that returns to praise of God. Um, one that speaks to potentially sometimes a past knowledge of God's mercy and deliverance. God, we know that you have done all these things in which you have shown us mercy in you know, these ABC examples. Um, we know there are times when um, you have delivered us before. Um, and so that second movement, I think in those Psalms of disorientation, I think is really interesting and I think um, important to call out. Um, and so that's a little bit about that in Psalms of disorientation. Moving through. Um, now talking about Psalms of new orientation. So um, one more quote from Brueggemann. Most frequently, the Psalms stay with the experience to bring the speech to a second decisive move from disorientation to new orientation. That is, the Psalms regularly bear witness to, to a surprising gift of new life, just where none had been expected. And so this is a little bit of what um, I was talking about before, and I think what really finds its fruition when we talk about Psalms of new orientation. There's, you could call it, you could call it um, a movement to a resurrection hope would be one, one, one way of talking about it. It's sort of the movement of your mind and your perspective um, from the direction of the cross on Good Friday onto um, the new life of, of Easter. Um, and this orientation again towards, towards mercy. Um, and, and towards deliverance and towards a right ordering of things, even if uh, potentially in this moment they're not, they're not right ordered and we're not living in that place, but there is that hope of resurrection. Um, and I think that that's powerful because I think it's something that really is um, fruit that we can feast on for our whole lives. So what I thought we would do now um, is actually get into some, some examples of, um, some examples of Psalms of mercy and deliverance. Um, and the first one that I want to start with is Psalm 130, um, which if you, I'm using the, I'm using the translation of each of these Psalms that's in the book of common prayer. Um, Psalm 130, if you're looking for it, um, is on page 784 of the Book of Common Prayer. And so it's about seven verses. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's, again, I'm, you're going to have to bear with me because I'm new to facilitating Zoom. Um, so I'm wondering if there is, if it would be possible to have 
um, perhaps a volunteer to read? James, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Brad. I would love that. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, and you can just, um, we're going to read it. I would it like a couple to read, too. I would like oh. to read. Okay. okay, well, we're going to do, we'll probably do a second psalm after this, so you can, uh, Christina? So you can you can perhaps read our second song. Oh, thank that. you. And then Brad, thank you so much for volunteering. Yeah, if you wouldn't re if you wouldn't mind reading Psalm one thirty, and I'll try and scroll down to work it. Okay, great. great. Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss. O oh Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O oh Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. Great. Thank you so much, Brad. Okay, now what I'm going to do, Brad, would you mind being my volunteer again? I'm actually going to ask you to read it one more time. Because <laughs> okay. I find that it's helpful to, to hear it twice, because there are things that jump out of us. So if you wouldn't mind reading it just one more time. Okay. Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. Great. So what I thought we would do now, um, is maybe take just a couple of minutes um, after having read the psalm. And what I would like folks to do is I think using the, like the message function um, that we have on Zoom, can you all see the, like, are you able to sort of write messages? Yeah. So what I would like for folks to do is after just, we'll take a couple of minutes to do this, is to write maybe one word um, or just a short phrase um, that jumps out at you from this particular psalm. And we'll give that about, you know, two-ish minutes. James, when you say jumps out at us, do you mean for any particular reason? Um, just the one, no, actually, no, just whatever, yeah, I really do mean just whatever strikes you. It can, it can strike you in, in whatever way it strikes you. That's a good question, though. Okay, I'm just going to read through some of them just to see sort of what we're thinking. Um, wait. Redemption. Wait. To his word is my hope. Redemption. 
forgiveness with you. More than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Wait. Hope. Why is watchmen in the morning repeated? Beautiful. Watchmen. Feared out of the depths. More than watchmen for the morning. My soul waits for the Lord. Lord, hear my voice. This is a psalm um, that I really do commend to all of you. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, and I've, I'm going to say this again, all of my stories about psalms always come back to a monastery. Uh, we used to do this thing when we were interns there and we'd have tea. It was lovely with the brothers on, on a like, Saturday afternoon. And for some reason that is a little bit beyond me, the way that the tea would always end would be the superior, um, sort of like the chief monk, uh, would stand up abruptly when the hour had come for the tea to end, and he would begin with this psalm, the Psalm 130. Um, and they would all say it in unison. Um, and I think that it just speaks to just a beautiful location um, in that draws us back to God's mercy, God's promise of deliverance. I mean, particularly verse six, it says, for with the Lord, there is mercy. There is always plenteous redemption. God's redemption and deliverance is in abundance. Um, and so I just, I commend this Psalm to you in particular as one, um, as one when you're, as one to sort of come back to when you're um, crying out for mercy, crying out for deliverance. It's a good one to pray. So the next one that we're gonna do and keep an eye on the time. So we'll do, yeah, we'll do just, we'll do one more. Um, I think we'll probably just do, we'll just do, yeah, we're gonna do, so we're gonna do Psalm 91, um, which is another favorite. Um, for those of you who have prayed Compline before, um, this psalm may be particularly familiar to you because it's one of the set songs for Compline. It's always there. Um, Compline, you know, coming from the word complete, a beautiful way to end the day. And so I think it's, um, I think it's beautiful to think, what does it mean to think about a psalm of deliverance and mercy as we're, as we're inching towards the end of our days, as we're coming to a place of rest and the embrace of God? Um, and so, Christina, is it, I got your name right? Yes. As a, hi, Christina. Sorry. It's, it's a little weird meeting people when you're new in the middle of a pandemic. And so um, it's good to meet you in this way. And so I'm very, I'm very glad to be with you. And I'm so grateful to you for volunteering to read. So I think what we're going to do, I've got it on my screen, Psalm 91. We're just going to do the first nine verses. And so um, if you wouldn't mind, I would be very grateful if you could start with the first one um, and read it read it through to us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his pinions and you shall find refuge under his wings. 
His faithfulness shall be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of any terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, of the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor of the sickness that lays waste at midday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Your eyes have only to behold, to see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your habitation. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. And you may have guessed this, but I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing that I asked Brad to do. I wanna read it one more time. I just find it's helpful. Like we read, some things jump out to us when we read them the first time, and then some things surprise us when we read them through a second time. And so if you wouldn't mind reading it just one more time, starting at verse one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my stronghold, my God, in whom I put my trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his pinions and you shall find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness shall be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of any terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, of the plague that stalks in the darkness nor of the sickness that lays waste at midday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Your eyes have only to behold, to see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your habitation. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and we're going to do something. We're going to do the same thing. Um, we're going to um, use the, the message feature, um, and we're going to uh, take a couple minutes to put um, just either a word or phrase um, that stands out to you um, from this psalm. And I'll try and scroll through it from time to time. So if they're, you know, if it's more down to verse nine, but we'll just take maybe a minute or two before we head into our breakout groups. Just a word, a one word or phrase that just jumps out to you. You don't have to necessarily know why, but it's just particularly striking. Okay, I'm just gonna read through some of them again. Um, well, that's beautiful. You shall not be afraid of the plague Refuge under his wings, refuge in the shelter. Your habitation, my refuge. Habitation, refuge, and stronghold. God is always by your side when you put your trust and faith in him. Refuge and stronghold. Refuge and trust. You shall not be afraid. Deliver you from the deadly pestilence. Shelter and refuge in the shadow. Cover you with his pinions. shall not come near you yeah i do wish we could yeah you're right i do wish we could have done the full psalm i'm 
made a game time decision to just do the first part of it because I want to make sure that we have time for our breakout groups. But you're right. I love the full psalm and I definitely commend it to you. So looking at these words, um, these phrases um, that you guys have picked out, one of the things that I keep coming back to, you know, I think the word that seems to be very striking or the handful of words that seem to be very striking, um, shelter, refuge, stronghold. Um, all of these speak to a place of location with God. Um, they speak to um, an image of mercy and deliverance as having um, a, a place of location with God, a place sort of like in, in his cover and his protection um, in one way or in, in a home, like a place of, a place of lodging, a place of safety with God. Um, which I think is beautiful, you know, certainly particularly in the times that we're living in to think about that imagery that deliverance can be and mercy can be a location that may at times as we walk through our day-to-day lives, one that maybe doesn't feel all that present sometimes, but I think what this Psalm is a gift for is one that nods us back. It calls us back to, um, where our true deliverance is, which is um, a home, a resting place, a shelter, a refuge, a rock to cling to in God. Um, and I think, you know, hearing that language, maybe it's not surprising why this is a psalm that is frequently over centuries um, been one that has been read and prayed and loved before bedtime, uh, which I think can particularly be a time when the cares and occupations of the world can come and haunt us. Um, and yet what I think this psalm is pointing us to um, is a deliverance from that, a deliverance from sort of those fears um, and anxieties and taking us to a true, a true resting place with God. Um, so beautiful. Okay, so as promised, this would be another one I would commend to you. Uh, we're not going to do this one today. It would be Psalm 136. Jay talked about this one a bit Um when he led the forum last week, but I do want, I just want to commend this one to you mainly because it says mercy about 147 times. So I couldn't not <laughs> include it on the list. Um, so that's another good one to look at, but we're going to move, we're going to move on into our breakout groups, um, which I am gleefully going to use Zach to help me with. Um, Cause I'm, I'm new to zoom facilitating. And so I think Zach is going to help ideally with our breakout group time. Um, but these um, two bullet points and two questions. So the first bullet point is that when you get into your breakout group, similar to last time, I'm going to ask that you just among yourselves appoint somebody to be um, a group leader who can just sort of debrief from what you talked about. Um, and the two questions um, that I have for our breakout groups for today, the first one is, what is one thing that you would like to be delivered from? What is one thing that you would like to be delivered from? Um, you know, what's your, I mean, to put it another way, how are you experiencing a desert right now? And what is your land of milk and honey? Like what is, you know, and this can be an individual thing that you'd like to be delivered from. I mean, it could be something like I'd like to spend less time, you know, being distracted by technology and devices and spend more time reading or outside or something else more communal that you would like to be delivered from. The second question is, um, how have you experienced God's mercy? 
Um, and so for the breakout time, you know, you can one question and try and do both of them. I'll, I'll leave that to you guys to decide. Um, so now hopefully, Zach, are you there? I'm here, James, so I'll go ahead and create the rooms. Thank you. And I'll, sure. I'll try and put these questions into the chat too, so people can. I just did. Oh, you did, thank you so much. All right, the invitation should be coming through about now. The trials and tribulations of having a human body. Um, so that that's um, definitely something that was on the mind of a lot of us. Um, and experiencing God's mercy in, in the people who take care of us. Yeah. Um, either, whether they're, you know, random people on the street who called 911 for you or... Um, your doctors, your nurses, um, your friends who are there to wash your hair, um, things like that, so. Oh, I love that, that's so great, thank you. Richard, did you, I feel like you, you would sort of raise your hand like you were about ready to share next. Anytime, uh, our group had three very different things they'd like to be delivered from uh, one the two questions sort of merge in a sense. At one point, we're being delivered from what we're going through has led us to both an experience of mercy. So one is reflection and regeneration coming through this time. So as difficult as this time is, once a person in our group said that she wouldn't have had this opportunity for that without this experience going on around us to reflect and regenerate. Uh, to be delivered from procrastination, so taking little small things that need to be cleared out and doing better with the small things that needs to be handled. And the more serious one was uh, living with someone who's in addiction, a family member in addiction, and four years or more of going through a process with a family member who's suffering and trying to heal and how difficult that is. Um, I added just that uh, I'm one of those people who have stopped drinking a long time ago, so I know what it's like to start to feel healing inside the body, physically in the body. So I think part of the mercy I, we talked about was how we can experience mercy, not just theoretically, but in our actual bodies. And that's it. Mm. That's great. Thank you. Okay, so we're three for six. So I think we got about three more. I can go for my group. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we talked a lot about wanting to be delivered kind of a little bit from the time that we're in from anxiety, from isolation, or from kind of both the monotony and uncertainty of the time that we're in. And we talked about where we've kind of seen God through all of this, how we've been able to be closer to God. Um, how God has like given us the tools to adapt. Um, Bob in particular talked about how he had to run work remotely before, and now this has all come to be a benefit now. So God prepared him. Um, and just the creativity of how we've been able to connect that those have been, you know, comfort and tools given, given by God during this time. Yeah, I love that. Creativity. I love that. That's beautiful. So uh, we were group five, cool. and I think what we mostly consensed on 
was that what we want to be delivered from is our feelings of uh, powerlessness, helplessness, frustration uh, in this time within our own environments and in the in the greater context of the world. And that uh, connectedly, uh, the questions do kind of seem to bleed into each other. Um, where we find the mercy of God is in the things that we can do. God saves us as we save ourselves. And uh, the, the little things which become huge things, uh, an interesting sort of um, juxtaposition was Christina mentioned that she likes delivering cookies and delivering flowers to people. So um, we deliver things and God helps us to deliver ourselves uh, in that way by self-care and by caring for others. That's great. Yeah, there's been, I, I know I've certainly experienced like a powerful reckoning with like my own limits and my own bandwidth, I think like in this time. And I think that's uh, a rich thing to be spending some time with. So thank you guys, that was great. Okay, so let's see, we're gonna find out how good at math I am. Do we have one more left? Yes, we one talk, more. in our group, we talked about uh, two things in the first question one would be the anxiety of not knowing and not being in control uh, and yet wishing to uh, be relieved from that, that question by, by knowing. And so we were thinking about the, the 130th, I believe it was, Psalm where we're located under God's, the shadow of God's wing, yes. And, and in, that, in that location, number two uh, question, how have you experienced God's mercy? It was very evident that in fact, many of these questions are coming through, although we may not have expected them, not at all in that way. And so essentially that the uh, feeling sheltered was an important thing to remember, to, to trust in God and, and give some time and space to our concerns rather than feeling desperate about an answer immediately. Yeah, that's great. I really do love the imagery of that Psalm. Uh, just this place of shelter, a perpetual shelter too, one that's always there, That, but I, I know I certainly forget it from time to time. And so I think one of the gifts of that Psalm, and I think what it sounds like you guys were talking about was just sort of the gentle reminder of that, uh, which I think is a real gift. So thank you. Thank you. Well, excellent, everyone. Um, let's see, look at the time. Oh, we're doing great. Okay. So, okay, before I have, one, I have, I have two things, and they're quick things, um, in terms of, you know, concluding thoughts um, as we sort of wrap up this forum. The first thing is something I want um, to commend to you as some, it's homework. It's optional homework. It's the best kind of homework, right? It's homework that you don't have to do if you don't want to. But I commend it to you because I think it's a beautiful thing if you want to try it. Um, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the forum, which is, I believe, on page uh, um, 30. It starts on 30. If you have the... There, I'm going to... I can't... Stop sharing my screen for a little bit. Okay. So if you have the Brueggemann book, um, The Spirituality of the Psalms, I commend to you, uh, I commend to you the section that starts on 31, on page 31 through um, 34. 
and it talks about psalms of disorientation which i don't know about you i certainly feel decently disoriented during this time um what that what is there on those pages is basically a framework of what happens in a psalm it starts with you know it starts with you know naming what the issue is and then you know we talk about all the things you know we we address god we name the complaint we ask for god to do something about it and then we return to sort of remembering in praising God, remembering the good things that done in his past. The reason why I highlight that is that I think it can be a gift to actually try to write a psalm. It's something that I had to do in seminary for um, a class on the Old Testament. I was actually given as an assignment the task of doing my best to pick some issue, some thing that I wanted to be delivered from, and then to use the framework that's um, in this book on page um, you know, 31 through 34, to to work that out through writing my own psalm i said god this is what i'm worried about here's all the reasons i'm worried about um you know here's um here's what i would like you to do from it and then remembering making that important turn after i've done all that to say but i know i know you have delivered i know you have delivered us from things before I know you have numbered the hairs on my head. I know that you have filled my life with love in so many ways. And so I commend that to you as a spiritual exercise to maybe think about, you don't have to do it perfectly, um, but you know, that this framework that's on Brueggemann's book, I think can be a really beautiful way to sort of, to pray through our disorientation. Um, But remembering that if you're writing a true, if you're writing a true Psalm in this form, that it always ends with praise of God, that it always ends with a hope of resurrection, um, an eschatological hope, to use a fancy word. Um, it, it always ends in that way. So I commend that to you as a spiritual exercise if you want, um, you know, some homework from this time. Um, and then I'm going to go back to sharing my screen for one last thing, and then I promise we're done. Um, go back. Okay, last thing. Clearly, I love quotes. Um, so this is at the end of the Brueggemann book. It's on page 74. He says, we pray these Psalms in community or in private. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who count on our prayers. Those witnesses include, first of all, the Israelites who cried out against Pharaoh and other oppressors. But the cloud of witnesses includes all those who hope for justice and liberation. So the reason why I wanted to end with that particular quote is because I think it does an excellent job of naming the beautiful both and thinking that the Psalms require us to step into. The Psalms are both individual in a sense for our, they can be prayers of of an individual person and yet they're also intensely communal. Um, And so my hope is that if you do try the exercise that I just recently named, that that can be a place for you to sort of one, think about your own specific location in a place of disorientation or lament. Um, but also let it be a, a turn back to the community, an opportunity to sort of remember God's mercy and deliverance previously in your own life, but also previously in the Christian story. And to let that be a source of hope for God's mercy and deliverance for all time coming, um, which I think is just a beautiful thing to remember. And I think, you know, certainly great, great spiritual work to be doing.
To learn more about St. James Church, visit stjames.org. That's stjames.org.